0: To and salvation by works.
1: There are people who believe they will be justified before God based on their works. Works that help people in their daily lives. Always holding themselves accountable to the highest standards. They're always donating to charitable causes, helping out hundreds, thousands. That's commendable. But none of those things could justify a person before God.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The idea of having to appear before a judge in court horrifies most, but the reality is, sooner or later, we are all going to appear before God and make an account for our life. All of it. How do you even prepare for such a case? Today, Pastor Xavier acts as our attorney as he lays out the best defense possible. Let's join him in the book
1: of Romans for today's study. Abraham, justified by faith alone. The Apostle Paul, as God's prosecuting attorney, has massively proven beyond shadow of a doubt that both Jew and Gentile are guilty before God. The Gentiles being guilty of the most horrible sins in chapter 1 because they suppress the truth of God and unrighteousness. The moral Gentile and Jew are equally condemned before God because they condemn themselves by judging the others of those horrible sins, but they take pleasure in that sin. And all attempts to merit justification before God by works, religious right, or law is refuted. It's futile. The only way that a person can be justified before God is by faith in Jesus Christ through grace, which establishes the law. This is the point that Paul has brought us to. The last thing Paul has to do. Taking the chance that it might be misunderstood. As being anti-Jewish. And being a to Abraham the father of faith. Is to prove that Abraham was justified by faith alone. Apart from works. He's the golden calf. Because the Jews had a colored Understanding about Abraham. Kind of like our senior picture. We never looked so good. We had cheesecloths over it. And sometimes we look at people and look at things, edit it. We edit our history. We edit who we really are instead of who we really are. Paul is going to show them exactly who Abraham was to demonstrate to them he was justified by faith alone. And so here, in verse one through eight, Paul declares that Abraham was justified by faith alone, by a threefold evidence. Let me read here. What then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has somewhat or something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Not to him who works; the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also described the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. The threefold evidence to declare Abraham that was justified by faith alone is as follows. Verse 1 and 2, the works of Abraham accused him before God. Verse 3 and 4, the faith of Abraham was based on the words of God. And then thirty six through 8, the faith of Abraham was confirmed by the forgiveness of David by God. The works of Abraham accused him before God. Dangerous ground here. Paul is treading on Notice Paul the Apostle pushes the argument of justification by faith using Abraham as the test case of faith for justification by asking another rhetorical question as he has before many times with one obvious answer. The answer to this is no. Though it's not given, it's understood. What then should we say? That Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? Notice Paul points out that the patriarch Abraham here Is referred as the forefather of all believers. This is where he's driving us to. Of both Jew and Gentile. The pronoun we refers to the Christian. Paul includes himself here. And the phrase our father refers to the Jew and Gentile. Who have believed. That they are justified by faith alone. Paul expressed the possible source. Of Abraham's justification. Listen. According to the flesh. Which would. Make him the exception to the rule. And he is like the advocate here saying, if he did earn this justification by means of the flesh, then he is the only exception. But the rhetorical question has already given, no was the answer. And so the phrase, according to the flesh, identifies the context of the natural abilities, physical, the works of man, to merit and achieve this justification by faith. This is Abraham he's talking about, by the way. The expression is completely opposite to the phrase, according to the Spirit, which means the work of God. As we yield to Him. It has nothing to do with human effort. It's all of God. Now notice Paul the Apostle was referring here and actually refuting the traditional teaching of the Jews that Abraham was justified by the righteous work before God. History denied it. Paul gives them a little history lesson, though he doesn't enumerate it all. They know because they knew the history of Abraham. He says, "For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God." The man Abraham lived in the area of Ur the Chaldees, as you know, in Genesis eleven thirty one. The ruins of Ur of the Chaldees, known as Al Makayir, was first investigated by the English archeologists Lewis and Taylor in 1854. The findings were an incredible evidence of a pagan Gentile society on the Euphrates River in the area known as modern day Iraq. The temple with a ziggurat three steps a tower of the city rose 92 feet and the base was 130 by 195 feet. The construction was similar to the Mayan pyramids down the Yucatan Peninsula. Now, the temple was not for worship, but a shrine, a place for the gods. Now, God began in the beginning introducing himself as the one and only true God. And man degenerated to polytheism, many gods. The worship of Ur the Chaldeas was the moon god, Nana, or Akkadian sin. Now... The treasures of gold, silver, and semi-precious stone and sculptures and animals and all kinds of crafts were found within the civilization coupled with the horror of human sacrifice. Their industry, business, their crafts made the city a center of commerce. Joshua confirms the pagan origin of Abraham. He's talking about Abraham. Joshua 24, 2 and 3, he says this. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Naor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him through all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants, and gave him Isaac on the other side of the city. Pagan gods. In fact, Joshua, in Joshua twenty-four fifteen, 15, he warned them clearly about serving other gods. He says, "And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord Yahweh, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served and were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord Yahweh. There was a choice that Joshua made, and he warns the people of the pagan origins of Abraham. In fact, Abraham is called Assyrian by Moses due to the fact that he dwelt in Haran, which is the area of Syria till the death of his father Terah. And you get that again in Genesis 11.32. In offering their first fruits to God as Israelites, in Deuteronomy twenty-six five, listen. He says, and you shall answer and say before the Lord Yahweh your God. So when the Israelis brought their first fruits of the harvest, they were to say, My father was a Syrian about to perish and he went down to Egypt and dwelt there few in number. And there he became a nation great and mighty and populous. Haran is a Babylonian word and means road. The road city bay in the junction of several trade routes, which some believe is very probable. The explanation of the name. You see, the man Abraham failed in many things that he did. Let me give you a little history on Abraham. In his first call at Ur, Stephen's testimony in Acts 7, 1 through 3. Again, the New Testament is a commentary on the Old. Always remember that. It seems to indicate that it was Terah who was going out of Haran at this point and not Abram. But it was Abram who was called out from Stephen's commentary very clearly. So that's important. Abraham disobeyed, delaying in Haran till the death of his father Terah. About 45 years if you would give Abraham the age of 30 when he left. We don't know that, but we know the ages when he left the second time. But there was a delay. It could have been up to 45 years. That's a long time from when God called him out. Now, his second call, he finally obeys at age 75 in Genesis 12, verse 1 through 4. The tense in verse 1 there of Genesis indicates a previous call in the past. Listen to what it says. And the Lord has said to Abram, implying a previous call, the one that we just saw in Haran. The call is proclamation in a severe nature, as you know. To separate from country, from homeland, from kindred, from cultural race, from father, from blood relatives. To seek the land that God would show him. He obeyed God. Not right away. So he fell. Abraham also compromised his obedience. He took on his nephew Lot, as you know, in Genesis twelve, four through nine. God never told him to take Lot. Lot became a problem to him. He got greedy. He failed to trust God during the famine. He went into Egypt, lying about Sarah being his wife, being his sister, failed to protect her and took a chance on her being defiled by Pharaoh, by the way which he rebukes Abram, the pagan Pharaoh. He failed. He fell into the same sin at Gerar in Genesis 20, 1 through 18. He gets rebuked by Abimelech there. He attempted to fulfill the promise of God of giving him a son. As he picked up this young woman, Hagar, at Egypt. And Sarah said, well, God wants me to have a child through her. And so they figured that's the way God was going to do it. And they added to their hurt. And he... Got himself an Ishmaelite. You don't want to live with Ishmaels in your life. Trust me. It caused a lot of trouble. They're works of the flesh. So he failed there. And there are many others we can look at. So Abraham was not justified by his works. It's evident by history. He couldn't have. Because the standard was perfection. He missed Now, Paul the apostle acknowledged that Abraham's life was not perfect. He was seeing Abraham through real eyes. You know, his obedience to the call is not even mentioned, the positives. His leaving home and family is not mentioned. His dependence on God to deliver his wife from Pharaoh is not mentioned. His trust in God to bless him regardless of what side Lot chose is not mentioned. His courageous rescue of Lot is not mentioned. His obedience to and willingness to slay Isaac if need be is not mentioned. None of those things could justify him before God. You see? That's the first thing people do. There are people who believe they will be justified before God based on their works. Works that help people in their daily lives. And those are good things. Works that benefit people and society at large. Those are good things. Works that risk one's life even at the point where some even lay their life down. But none of those things can justify a person before God. There are also people who believe that by their morality or their ethical living they will be justified before God. People really believe this because they do not believe the word of God. Always attempting to tell the truth, and when they find out they're wrong, they correct it, they make amends. that's commendable. Always turning away from alcohol, drugs, sexual promiscuity, commendable discipline. But none of those things could justify a person before God. There are other people who believe they will be justified before God, for the benevolence. they're ever ready to meet the needs. Of the less fortunate. That is commendable. They're always donating to charitable causes. Helping out hundreds, thousands. Commendable. They're very frugal in their own lives. And they're able to give to others. More than they keep for themselves. That is commendable. But none of those things could justify a person before God. And there are still other people who believe they will be justified before God by their sincere religious devotion and their own concept of God. And that somehow God has to accept that. That their sins can be forgiven by doing penitence, by afflicting themselves and bringing suffering upon themselves. That denying oneself food, drink, comforts of life will make one holier. That one can pay indulgences, money, for one's sins. These are all things that people do believe, and they will that will justify them before God. Never. Listen to the words of Job in chapter 15, verse 15 and 16 it says, If God puts no trust in his saints, and the heavens are not pure in his sight, how much less man who is abominable and filthy, who drinks iniquity. Like water, What a picture. What a picture. You see the works of Abraham accused him before God. He's the golden calf. (laughs) This is the last argument for justification. In this chapter as he moves on. Because he does it this way. And then he does it that Abraham was not circumcised when he got it. And that it wasn't by the law. But faith. Now notice secondly. Verse 3 through 5. The faith of Abraham was based on the words... Of God. Verse 3. The apostle Paul calls to the witness. Stand the scriptures. Who are the authority. Of divine truth. The scriptures. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Paul personifies the scriptures here. Speaking for they are God speaking truth to man. Divine truth. Whenever we read the word of God. Or it says the scripture says. We should understand that God is saying this. Over 3,800 3, times in the Old Testament. We read phrases like, Thus saith the Lord. The word of the Lord came to me. The Lord said right. The spirit of the Lord came up upon me. I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. And we can go on and on and on. All these phrases. God's word. His very mind. His revelation. Paul understood that the scriptures claimed divine inspiration as their source and authority. So he calls the greatest authority to the witness stand. All scripture is given by inspiration of God as proper for doctrine, correction, instruction that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. In 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. The word inspiration is theo, God. Neustos means to breathe. Literally expired out from God. It's what we call plenary verbal inspiration. Every word, every letter of this Bible is inerrant and infallible. Paul the Apostle declared Abraham as the ultimate model of faith for justification, saying that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. The context is God's promise to Abraham about having a child of his own from his own body. He's quoting Genesis chapter 15, verse 1 through 6 here. The patriarch had just returned from the battle of uh, rescuing Lot and Melchizedek had blessed him as the thought of, of thinking what he had done. That he had gathered himself and went after all these kings. And now he's rescued him. He comes back. And Melchizedek has met him. And, you know, he denied all reward and all that. And all of a sudden he blessed Melchizedek. But he starts thinking, man, all these kings are going to get together and come up against me. And it's at that point in Genesis 51 that God says, Abraham... Don't be afraid. For I am your shield. And your exceeding great reward. Verse 2 and 3 of that text. Abraham mentioned. He was childless. He only had one heir. In his house. Eliezer of Damascus. His servant. And then God in verse 4 and 5 of Genesis 15. Promised him that he would have a child of his own body. As his heir. And then took him out. And told him to look to the heavens and to see. If he could count the stars. For so would be the number of his descendants. God promised he would give him a child of his own body. That's what Abraham believed. The quote is Abraham's response to the promise of God. He believed God. That God was going to justify him. By faith. Abraham believed by faith, the promise of God. Notice now verse 4 and 5 that Paul the Apostle points out and explains the distinction between works and faith. In verse 4, to the one who works for something, wages are given to him as a debt due. Not Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace. Grace is unmerited, favor, undeserved. But of debt. If a person is hired by another person. To work 40 hours per week. At $10 an hour. Then he's going to receive $400. At the end of the work. Having performed the job. He receives it. Not as a gift. When you get that check. You don't say. Oh thanks for the favor. Thanks for giving me the gift. You work for it. Now if Abraham would have been able. To present his works before God. For To be justified Then God would have been A debtor to Abraham And then he could have boasted Then and only then Now to the one Who doesn't work But simply believes The promise of God For justification His faith Is credit to him For righteousness Verse 5 says But to him who does not work But believes on him Who justifies the ungodly His faith is accounted for Righteousness, notice the contrast is evident by the word but, to the one who does not work, but simply believes it is grace, unmerited favor. This was Abraham. We're talking about works before the cross. We're talking about justification. If you recognize you're a sinner in need of Jesus to justify you, you're looking before the cross to be saved. But after you're saved, that you know you're justified, that's your position. Now, works must have evidence of your faith. James says that. They're not contradictory. Romans is before the cross. James is after the cross. So it has nothing to do about working for your salvation. It has everything to do with you trusting God for the work of justification. Okay? Very simple. Abraham is identified with the ungodly, by the way. Can you imagine that? He's identified with the ungodly of the first three chapters in need of justification. All the Jews are and were ungodly. All the Gentiles were and are ungodly. The entire world is guilty before God, deserving the wrath of God. Abraham was an idolater as those in chapter 1. Deserving the wrath of God. Wow. And so Abraham simply believed God. And his faith was counted to him. For righteousness. Once again, the gifts of my reckoned creditors account. The righteous provision of the Messiah's righteousness. In chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. The power of God unto salvation.
0: Pastor Xavier Rees and the important simple truths regarding salvation. And if you'd like a copy of today's study on CD, ask for Abraham Justified by Faith Alone. It's available for only $4. This CD includes the complete message, as it was originally delivered, but didn't have time to include on the air. Once again, the title to ask for is Abraham Justified by Faith Alone, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths,